Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast was recorded on Wandry Land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you, Gem? Uh, I'm cranky today. I don't know why. People, people have bothered me today, so I might be a bit fired up. I've decided to wear a t-shirt that says Stay Jazzy to try and keep me a bit upbeat, but um, yeah. Not having it today. Balance is everything. And yes, I can confirm she is incredibly scary. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, we've arrived at the second half of the season, a week that saw the WA teams finally return to play on home turf, an extremely lively hit out between the Suns and the Cats and some truly stressful games, including the much tweeted upset of the season. But we'll get to that. I feel like I need a quiet walk and a lie down to bring the pulse back to earth, but instead we're going to talk it out. What a round of footy. And it started on Friday night between uh, Gold Coast and Geelong up at Metricon Stadium. I want to start talking about this game by saying, isn't it wonderful to have a game played somewhere that is not impacted heavily by wind? Oh, yeah. Played in the evening, so it's not as hot. And the standard of footy was incredibly high. So um, I think we maybe should all be realising the impact of the conditions on this season. The thing about this game that I'd really like to mention is Gold Coast midfield depth. So we've talked heaps about Charlie Rowbottom, who in this game went head-to-head with Georgie Prasparkis, pick one and pick two going against each other. Rowbottom had 16 touches, four clearances, five score involvements. Really good. Alison Drennan, we've talked about quite a bit as well. A leader. She works incredibly hard. 30 disposals, seven inside 50s, 375 metres gained. Really, really good. Jamie Stanton, we know how good Jamie Stanton is. She ran all night with Amy McDonald and kept her, kept her to 17 touches, which is McDonald's fewest since round nine last year, mm-hmm. also against the Suns. But the one that I think doesn't ever get mentioned but had a brilliant game on Friday night is Claudia Whitford. She started at Melbourne and then St Kilda, now at the Suns. Hmm. She is deceptively strong and powerful. She's all bigger than I think a lot of people realise she is. And her ability around the stoppages, uh, she doesn't necessarily go to centre stoppages, centre bounces very often, 
but around the ground, she covers the ground really well and is really damaging at those. She had 17 touches, but a game high eight clearances in this game. She also had 342 nice. meters gained. So I'm just been super impressed with her, but they're getting that depth. And then, you know, Yorston is there. Ellie Hampson is there. There's all these players that can also run through the midfield, but their first choice midfield is really, really up there in terms of best combinations you could want. So stoked for the Suns. It was, it's great. Yeah, it was really impressive to watch. This was our pick for match of the round. And until today, I would have, <laughs> I would have backed us in for that. But it was undeniably fun to watch. Largely because both the Suns and the Cats have brought a renewed sense of footy to the competition. Gold Coast moved the ball supremely. Their attack was excellent. The forward line continues to dominate. Groves Little was amazing in front of goals. I feel like the Cats, they were missing a few key players and they just couldn't quite match the Suns' exuberant game. They kicked their highest score ever too, winning by 11. You, you mentioned Geelong missing some key players. Obviously, Annabelle Johnson and, and Darcy Maloney are really important players in terms of attack at the ball, strength in the air, that sort of stuff. So they were missing that. But also, let's consider the fact that the Suns, without Jade Prajali as one of their key defenders, and Kalinda Howarth, who's been their supreme utility this year. So the Suns did it even without some key players, which is even more impressive from a young side. Nice to see. And to the Cats' credit, um, Chloe Shear finally got a bit of a wind-up and release, kicking a few solid goals. She's been used out of the goal square this year, and then maybe when they're struggling the final quarter, she gets moved into that half-forward role and excels. So in this game, she actually started in that higher role. Phoebe Williams was the one playing out of the goal square, and um, she set up the first two goals of the game with really wonderful kicks inside 50. So mm. she, I don't know, should be playing out of that goal square. She should be playing higher. She's too smart with that delivery inside, and then also she has that little bit of burst of power away from trouble and, and a fairly long kick that if she does get that opportunity, she can also have a crack herself. So I'd like to see her playing higher um, a bit mm. more this year. She's also really good in the one-on-one contest. Like she's just got such a strength about her. You'd have to back her in for a mark. Well, I mean, we saw that in the grand final, didn't we, in 2019. Took an amazing contestant mark, set up a Danielle Ponte goal and then did her ACL. So um, that's a fun three minutes for you. Yeah, roller coaster. Who will you play on performer votes for? So three to Ali Drennan, as I said, 30 touches, which is her personal best. When she was interviewed about it after the game and found out that she had 30 touches, she was shocked, which was glorious. So wholesome. <laughs> yeah. Alison Drennan's great. Two to Claudia Whitford, again, for all the things I mentioned earlier. And then one to Tori Groves Little. They had only played the one game prior to that this year, has had some concussion issues, but just has that little bit of spark about them in terms of speed and attack. And I know Kate Sermon also offers that, but they're very different in the way they use their speed. So um, it's a really nice balance in that forward line. Kicked two goals, three, probably would have liked to maybe be a little bit more accurate, but you can't complain too much about it. And also just have the nine disposals for nine kicks. So it's trying to create things all the time in that forward line. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's starting to shape up really well. I agree with you. I gave three votes to Ali Drennan. Uh, I've given two to Tori Gross Little and one to Chloe Shear. Because you have the rule of always giving one to the losing side. <laughs> yes. 
So on Saturday, we had the Tigers hosting the Kangaroos down at Punt Road. It was another heavily contested matchup, but ultimately I felt the Roos' ability to clear the ball out of their defensive 50 under pressure was key. The Tigers were really good around stoppages, but the Roos were better thanks to Emma King's dominance in the hitouts. Uh, and despite the difference on the scoreboard, at times the game felt like an arm wrestle with the depleted Tigers side basically refusing to lie down in the face of North. A few quick goals in the third by the visitors saw the Roos tear away for a 19-point win. For me, this game and the past two weeks really for North is about Jasmine Garner's flick the switch. So between rounds one and four, Garner was averaging 18 disposals, three inside 50s, 3.5 tackles, 3.3 clearances, 208 metres gained. They're good numbers for a standard midfielder, but Jasmine Garner, those are actually really low numbers. Her influence on game wasn't really being felt. And I know she'd had to cover a few players when they were out and, and kind of play in different roles. And I know that they've wanted to use her more as a forward. But these past two weeks, she's averaged 27.5 disposals. So that's nearly plus 10 from her Ooh. first four weeks. Seven inside 50s, so that's plus four per game. Four tackles five clearances and 438 metres gained, which is plus 230 per game. So that to me is indicative of North's form because from off the back of that, we've seen Talia Randall be more dangerous inside 50. We've seen all these other things happen. Emma Carney, that role off the halfback is more and more effective each week. Ash Riddell is still getting a lot of ball, but not nearly as relied upon. Jenna Bruton is having... Uh, much more of an impact, especially in the forward half of the of the ground. And this is all without Caitlin Ashmore as well. So the past two weeks, they've not had Caitlin Ashmore, who's actually really crucial to their game style. So I think the versatility of North's list, it felt a little bit like maybe it was gone uh, in that first part of the season, but it's mm. absolutely there and Garner is just leading the way. And I love it. Is it wild that I did not even realise that Ashmore was out until I was at the game? looking for her and going, oh, hang on a second. She's not there. That's how good that depth across the kangaroos list is for me to not notice that. Ah, Caitlin Ashmore, please come back soon. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. She's a great player. (laughs) Who you play on performer votes? Yeah. So obviously I've given three to Jazz Garner. I just talk (laughs) about her constantly. I think she's the greatest. Two to Emma Carney because again, and I know I've said it the past couple of weeks, I am absolutely loving that roll off half back. It's so good. Such a drive. Yeah. It's so effective as well. And the fact she had 21 disposals at 90.5%. She's a really skillful player. And because she's playing that role instead of always being, you know, hung onto by four players trying to get it out of the contest, she's Mm. using the ball better than we've ever seen as well. So it's even more effective. Um, She also had nine intercepts. So the attack and the defensive side is all there. And then I've given one to Astrodell because I think racking up numbers and all that sort of stuff, I know we say that it doesn't always mean that much. Like you can have high stats without impacting the game that much. I think the consistency that Astrodell brings to the side is super important. Um, and that's why I wanted to give her the one. She had th- another 30 touches in the weekend, six inside 50. So again, she's using her dominance to actually create attack, six score involvements and 481 meters gained. So again, it's very, uh, um, North Melbourne is very intent on moving the ball forward however they can, and it's proving to be effective. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. I agree with you. I've gone three votes for Jazzy Garner. I've gone two for Emma Carney. 
And I've got one for Monconti, who, as per the usual, tried to make things happen. She's got a little bit more support with Mackenzie back in the side, but just wasn't their day. It's not going to be their day for the rest of the season, I don't think. Yeah, it's an uphill, a real uphill battle from this point forward, unfortunately. So our next Saturday game was out at Casey Fields. The um, Melbourne Demons hosted the GWS Giants. The Giants were held scores for three quarters of this game by an absolutely ruthless D's outfit. And that was their lowest ever score at the end of the game, just seven points. Melbourne, on the other hand, were really only foiled by the blustery conditions that we know and love slash hate at Casey Fields. Um, but they still managed to kick a whopping 44 points. It was a real team effort from the D's. All of the zones were just ticking over and everyone was playing their roles. Nothing much more to say here, except that maybe the Giants should have stuck with the side that surprised the dogs a few weeks back. Yes. Alan McConnell was very unhappy in the press conference after this game. JWS aside, you know, I've spoken at length about uh, those positional changes that they were forced into, gave them a breath of fresh air that they well, I was hoping they would go with or at least try to experiment more with, but then they backed in the the experience or something. I can't remember what the quote was, but they've... Backed in the experienced players. Yeah. Back in your experienced players, but still throw it around a bit, become unpredictable. They're not unpredictable. And, and that's what won them the game against the Bulldogs was the unpredictability. That was non-existent in this game. But again, we've got to give the caveat of they had 19 players with COVID. It's very hard to come back from that. So we've got to put that caveat on it. They didn't score until 90 seconds remaining in the game. But for Melbourne, the thing for me about Melbourne is they have depth across all lines. So Alison Brown played in Casey's VFLW win earlier in the day at Casey, Mm -hmm. ran 9.4 kilometres and then was a late in for Sarah Lampard, who was ill, and played a great game was an anchor in defense um, with Libby Birch. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah. And that was remarkable. But then you think, you know, Brennan Tarrant is sitting on the sidelines. She could have easily come in as well. Like they have the depth in defense. And then you go to the midfield. And in this game, it was Eliza West. It was Tyler Hanks. It was Lily Mithin. It was Eden Zanka, Karen Paxton. And you think, oh, Liv Purcell had 20 touches in the VFW this week. And she's on the verge of coming in. Who do you take out of the midfield to put Liv Purcell there? <laughs> I do not envy that person making those decisions. Yeah. And then you look into the forward line and, you know, Taylor Harris kicked another two goals, has 11 for the season. Daisy Pierce is presenting and doing a really good job of playing above her height inside 50. She plays with this strength and this aerial contest that someone her height probably um, is not expected to do. Um, Kate Hall kicked another two goals because she just attacks those packs really well, reads the ball. You know, Shelly Scott kicked a goal. She's kicked 18 of her 25 at Casey Fields. You know, all of that is happening. And then you add the layer of, and I think people are starting to get bored of me saying this, um, Shelly Heath in defense. So Shelly Heath played a role on Cora Staunton. Last week, she kept Kate Sermon goalless after Kate Sermon had a wonderful season. Uh, and then this week, kept Cora Staunton goalless. I think Staunton had seven touches and no shots on goal, which is very rare for her to have mm. no shots on goal at all. There was a wonderful chase down tackle that kind of was the highlight of that matchup as well. That was great. Yeah. So it was just, I, I really enjoyed this this game. Um, I really enjoyed the day. <laughs> Generally, it was wonderful to just, you know, be at the footy. So good. So good. Who will your player performer votes go to? 
Yeah, so uh, Eliza West gets my three, which is probably controversial. But for me, she's been the most consistent midfielder for Melbourne this year. Her defensive pressure is just top notch. She laid another another six tackles in this game, but also won six clearances, had 20 disposals, and had five inside 50s. So she's like adding those layers to her game every single week. And I'm loving the improvement. Obviously her disposal, you know, could be a little bit better. We could probably say that about half the players in the competition, but she's coming to this as a rookie. She's a cross code rookie. She's not even, you know, a high draft pick or anything like that. And she's in that midfield having a say alongside all those names that I just mentioned. So big props to Eliza West. Two to Tyler Hanks. She came back from the COVID layoff as well. Mm -hmm. She had 21 disposals, six tackles and five inside 50s of her own. But more importantly, in the second half of this game, Elise Parker had had 18 touches to halftime. Yeah. Tyler Hanks goes on her in the second half. She had five touches in the whole second half. So Tyler Hanks not only played her own game, but then shut down a really damaging opposition as well. And then one goes to my favorite player on earth, Ellie Heath. Again, <laughs> kept Cora Staunton goalless. Uh, and I just love watching her play. And I hope everyone is getting on board the Shelly Heath train because she deserves the praise that uh, hopefully she's getting from more people than just me. <laughs> I feel like you've been talking about her all week. I've been talking about it for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I have her badge actually up on my wall with a few other badges. So there you go. Oh, I have a couple of badges looking at me now, but uh, they're not doing so well at the minute. <laughs> we'll get to that. They're all Carlton players. Yeah, they're all Carlton players. Yeah. I've given three to Tyler Hanks. Uh, agreed. She was having a game of her own, um, was using the ball really efficiently, but yes, also completely nullified Parker in that second half. I've given two to Shelley Heath because I've jumped aboard the Shelley Heath train, as you suggested. And I've given one to Jess Doyle because she literally saved GWS from the worst stat possible um, by kicking their only goal at the very end of the fourth term. She had one, one touch for one goal. Yep. Uh, she's also kicked one goal in each of her three games. That's amazing. Come to the Swans, Jess Doyle. So if you get one touch and that is one goal, does that mean you have 100% efficiency? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what a stat. Quality over quantity. You know what it kind of reminds me of, actually? Brief intermission to reference a men's footy game. Uh, mm -hmm. In the final round of, I want to say, the 2017 AFLM season, Sydney played Carlton. Buddy Franklin kicked 10 famously on Liam Jones. But even better was the fact that Will Hayward had three touches for three goals and got a Rising Star nomination. So there you go. I think it was 2017. I might have the year wrong, but it's definitely the last game of the round. And it's I love it. Great stat. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Well, then we get to our final game for Saturday. The Blues ventured to WA to take on Frio for their first game at home after being on the road for three weeks in Victoria. For half a game, the Blues showed signs that they could match it with some of the best in the competition. They even scored first off an incredible snap out of traffic from Vesio. But from the third term siren, Frio did what they do best and they made Carlton pay for every costly disposal or mismarked ball. Michaela Morrison was deadly in front of goals. She kicked three and the fittest team in the competition lived up to their name and ran away with the win, leaving Carlton to lament a 42-point loss. Yeah, like that's the that's the thing about this game. Carlton went with the Dockers for the first half. They're down by five points at half time because mm. they're actually applying defensive pressure through the middle of the ground. And that just disappeared in the second half and Freo were like, all right, and ran away with it. I think it's frustrating with Carlton because we know they have the players that can do the defensive stuff. Yeah. It's almost like they're just choosing not to and not to like get in their mindset or anything, but they have players that can do the defensive stuff. They're just not for some reason. And I don't know mm. what the reason is, but through the middle of the ground, they are not defending nearly enough. In, they were actually better defending in the forward 50 in this game, but through the middle of the ground, that's just non-existent and it's putting their defense under immense pressure and their defense is going to crack. Like there was a, a moment where Karen Harrington dropped a, dropped a mark when there were four Carlton players around her to support her. And as soon as she dropped the mark, it was over the back no one really went to defend that ball once it was dropped and a goal came out of it. It's just like that defense is being worn down week on week on week because they're getting no support up the field. It's just coming in so much. So I do feel for the defensive group because they're working as hard as they possibly can. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, Fremantle, parochial crowd back at home. It's wonderful to see. And that crazy air raid sign. I've been watching Chernobyl recently. Oh, that's so good. Uh, it feels like that's relevant. Yeah. Super depressing. It's super depressing, but one of the best series I've watched ever. Very good. Keep it to five episodes, people. <laughs> uh, who are your play on performer votes? Sorry. We're going to talk about Hayley Miller again mm-hmm. because we have to. Um, I've obviously given her the three votes. She had career best disposals, 24. Career best clearances with eight. Career best Meters gained, which is actually the, I want to say, fifth most in AFLW history. I can tell you in one second. Sixth most, sorry. <laughs> uh, career most score involvements with eight. So she's just keeps getting better every week. How? How? It's unreal. It's amazing. And she spent a, a week in isolation and still has this power in her, this drive, all of this sort of, I don't know. She's just amazing and we have to credit her. Her accountability as a, as a leader of this team is just unparalleled. Yeah, yeah. And then I've had to go with Mim Hill for the two because she's, again, come back from that ACL. Last week she had 25 touches. This week she had 25 again, four inside 50s, 360 metres gained. She's working really hard not just to win the ball but to get it forward, which is Carlton's Mm. issue. She's trying really hard to gain territory, which I I think is worth a a shout-out. And then also I've given one to Grace Egan, who, again, come back from an awful injury, has had a really good couple of weeks, 22 touches, three clearances, and again, 340 metres gained. So they're the players who are trying to put it in an attacking position, a dangerous position for Carlton, and we've got to credit that. I still can't quite get my head around how Grace Egan's playing off the back of that rib injury, but he's superstar. I've given three votes to Michaela Morrison because she was just so great to watch in front of goals. Every time there was an opportunity, she took it and it paid dividends. 
I've given two votes to Hayley Miller. As you said, she's just having a season, so you can't not credit her for that. And I've given one to Mim Hill because, like I said, still trying, still working in the face of uh, extreme adversity, it would seem at the moment. And then we get to our Sunday games, the first, arguably the first of two very stressful games to watch this round. The Saints nearly upset the 2021 premiers, losing by just five points to the Lions. The wind was a problem from the start. Surprise. Yes, surprise. And it was largely behind the Lions' inaccuracy in front of goals. The Saints held the lead for the first half of the game, but a goal on debut from Luca Yoshida-Martin broke the drought for the Lions and the visitors built from then. The Saints fought hard to claw back the game, uh, but just ran out of time on the clock, really. Yeah, and, you know, we can talk about Brisbane missing that sort of stuff it was very windy they took a lot of shots on goal they missed most of them they didn't break the record for most behinds kicked in a game so we can leave it at that um but in terms of St Kilda Nicola Zenos to me looks like their game changer 100% because her effort her work rate in the forward half and then gets thrown on the ball at times as well it's unparalleled she was tackling so fiercely inside 50. She kicked her two goals off the, I think it was off the back of two holding the ball decisions because she was working hard um, inside 50. She ended up with six tackles for the game. Three of those were inside 50, two goals, five touches. You don't have to have a lot of the ball to have a big impact on a game. And she proved that. And I just really love her being back. Obviously she missed all last year. Um, She'll only get better from here. And I hope that the Saints find a system of footy that can get the ball inside enough to make the most of her presence. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like it's edging in that direction, though. Caitlin Greiser kicking 70-metre bombs from the wing. Oh, unreal. And also the tag team of Sheilor and Greiser. Having Sheilor play half-forward in front of Greiser today was amazing because, and you saw it in, in one particular goal, where... She didn't go to mark the ball so much as tap it back for Greiser to run onto and and basically have a dead-on shot in front of goals. It was just really smart footy from them, and I think they should um, consider playing it more like that. That was that was good. Well, yeah, and Sheila gets in the final minutes of every quarter. Sheila gets put behind the ball to support Rewat. Mm. Um, so it again, changes the the dynamic of what their forward line looks like, and it's really interesting to watch them throughout a game. Again, it hasn't come off yet for them, but they're edging closer. Yeah, absolutely. Who are your player and performer votes? So obviously three to Nick Xenos because I just talked about her lots. <laughs> Two to Emily Bates. She had a quieter game compared to others. She had 18 touches, five inside 50s. But what she's really good at is, and this game was kind of like a rolling mall. The way St Kilda approached this was, don't let Brisbane play their slick footy that they like to play. Don't let their yeah. runners get into space. Obviously, they were helped with the wind as well because Brisbane couldn't be as precise with their ball movement. But, um, it, yeah, their defensive pressure was really good across the ground. So you didn't see many players be able to break away from that to get a clean kick outside of the congestion. But more often than not, if you were seeing a player do that, it was Emily Bates. And then one to Cap Phillips. She had 20 touches, mostly playing behind the ball, 373 metres gain and three inside 50s. I just think she's a settler for them. She's very calm, collected, usually uses the ball fairly well too. So I liked her game. Yeah, and I believe it was her 40th today too. 
Yes. I've given three votes to Ola O'Dwyer. When they were able to get the ball moving uh, away from the Saints' pressure, it was generally through her. She's just really impressive through traffic. I don't know how she does it. Uh, I've given two to Emily Bates. Agree with you. Definitely one who's just consistently been more and more reliable for the Lions and got them out of some tight spots in that game. And one to Cat Phillips. Congrats for 40 games. And then after that, we had the Eagles hosting the Pies. The Pies travelled west uh, and secured a 24-point win against the home side, arguably one they needed to stay amongst it for finals. Collingwood played a different kind of lineup due to health and safety outs and other injury outs that we know about. And that saw Chloe Malloy in the middle and also Stacey Livingston up front as a key forward. Uh, and it paid off. Despite coming off a win against St Kilda previously, West Coast was a bit slow to start and pretty much spent all four quarters catching up. Yeah, so Collingwood has had their scoring issues the past couple of weeks. We say past couple of weeks they haven't been super attacking prior to that either. So I don't think we can be like, oh, they've just dropped off for two weeks against two good teams and then they're back because mm. I don't know that that's what it is. They scored another two goals off 50-meter penalties in this game. So my worry is, and that happened in the first three weeks as well, I think it was like 60% of their score in the first four weeks was from three kicks and 50-meter penalties. That will maybe paper over some of the cracks. They looked far more attacking than we've seen, mm. but we have to take it with the grain of salt that it's against an Eagles side that, you know, is still developing. And they did get those two crucial goals that were momentum changes really mm. off 50 meter penalties. So I think we've just got to keep that in the back of our mind when we look at Collingwood going forward. I'm still not convinced by their attacking half. But for the Eagles, I think that on the on the really big ground of Lathlane Park, um, we started to see their game style emerge more. And I think it's yeah. more evident when they do have the space to use their speed, use their run. They broke down a little bit at times with some, you know, poor disposal or a fumble. But we're starting to see something that could be something in the future. And, you know, it's it's Bowen, it's Neve Kelly, it's Amy Schmidt. It's all those runners that they can use into that space crowd one side of the ground and then get it to the other, that sort of thing. So there's something emerging there. We just need to see more of it and maybe to execute it a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who are you playing performer votes? Benici has to get three, obviously. She had uh, 27 touches, six clearances, six intercepts, 454 metres gained. Absolute star. Neve Kelly gets my two. Um, I was disappointed that she was in defense early in the game because she is so dynamic forward, but she did actually create a lot. And she added a different dimension to what their defense looked like, especially mm. with Sophie McDonald out. So I think McDonald out was actually a really big loss for West Coast. I think she she's really good in the one-on-one. She's quick. Um, she doesn't rack up a lot of stats, but she's very accountable if she's assigned a player. And I imagine if she had played, she would have been on Chloe Malloy. Um, so Neve Kelly had to go into that defensive role, which robbed their forward line a little bit, that sort of thing. But Neve Kelly was great for me. And then Jamie Lambert gets my one. She just works really hard. 23 touches, five clearances, five inside fifties. Yeah. I've agreed with that. And then some I've given Jamie Lambert three for working really hard. 
Uh, I've given two to Britt Benici for similar reasons. The two of those players in the midfield for Collingwood each week are just so consistent and reliable. And I've given one to Dana Hooker because towards the end of the game, she kicked a very nice goal, which potentially, you know, might have turned the tides had it not been towards the end of the game. But uh, always good to try and uh, make something happen for their side, even when the chips are down. And then we get to this game. What a game. In what will surely go down in AFLW history as one of the most incredible upsets, not to mention an absolutely bananas final minutes of a game. The Dogs beat the Crows by one point. At home, by one point. They exploded out of the centre at the first siren and led for the entire game, with the Crows attempting to surge into the win in the final term. The pressure around stoppages and generally across the game from both sides was unreal and uh, now I need a lie down it was an absolute heart stopper yeah and uh KO decided to shit itself ahead of this <laughs> yeah. game so a lot of people were frustrated they couldn't watch it there's always the backup of the AFLW website everyone yeah never forget never forget ahead of this game I was asked for by a couple of people I can actually read you an exact message I got from a, a commentator that was doing this game which was thoughts on what the dogs need to do to stay in it and I said, I'll just read the message out. This sounds really obnoxious. I'm just, this was the way I said it. And I want to <laughs> come off the back of this. Dogs are also winning more center clearances than anyone. So they need to capitalize on that and hit the scoreboard. First quarter, Ellie Blackburn, Kersey Lamb bursting out of that center stoppage, getting the ball forward very quickly. I think it resulted in three of their four goals in the first quarter. So that really was the way they set the game up. And then the other thing was Adelaide has use the kick and mark game, uncontested ball game to just dominate possession this year. And they just haven't let the opposition touch the ball enough to do with it what they want. Up until this round, they averaged 50% time in possession, which is massive. Yeah, That's a massive amount of time in possession. In this game, the dogs didn't let them do that. They made it a messy game. They made it a chaos game. Chaos footy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but that was everything because it didn't let the, the Crows had to work out another way to get the ball forward. And it took them two quarters or so to work that out. And then once they did, that were damaging, but they didn't have as much time to pile on those scores as we've seen in the past. Up until this week, the Crows had conceded one goal in first quarters for the whole season, and they'd conceded three goals in first halves for the whole season. The Dogs kicked four goals on in the first quarter. So it just blew Adelaide's method out of the water and then they had to scramble to fix it. The Dogs lost two players early in the game, um, so Mm. down to three rotations. But that was the thing. They'd done the work early that it didn't let Adelaide do their thing for long enough to beat them and it was desperate at the end. The defensive line of the Dogs absolutely needs so much credit. Hold on, what have I got here? I I went off track on what I was originally going to say because I got excited about other things. (laughs) Eleanor Brown, Naomi Ferris, Ash Guest, Katie Lynch, and Celine Moody, they combined for 26 intercepts in this game. Unreal. Yeah, that defensive unit headed up by Mel Hickey, who's an assistant coach, that backline coach this year. It's just withstood so much. And we go back to that Frio game as well, where they just withstood just that onslaught of ball coming in and 
yes, it did go right down to the wire. It was scrums on the defensive goal line at the end to prevent it from even being a draw. But they just got the job done. They didn't give up. And it could have been so easy for them to give up. It was a hot day. They were down rotations. They've had a tough few weeks. And they just did it. And it's, I, I think it's one of the best wins we've seen in AFLW history. What best wins we've seen in footy history. It was, I, I, yeah, I'm speechless still after that game. It was just the most furious pressure-filled and epic game I've ever seen. And you could see how frustrated the Crows were when Elizabeth Snell laid that tackle right on the quarter and things got a little bit heated. A little bit? A little bit. Very. I'm being diplomatic. A lot heated. That was the pressure cooker boiling over for the Crows. Like, like they're usually very composed and you don't see that from them. And holy moly, so good. And wild to think that Fremantle have the, have Adelaide in two weeks' time off a bye with Kiara Bowers back, and they've just seen how a team beats Adelaide. Amazing. They've literally got two weeks to study them up. And Kiara Bowers will have had a month on the sidelines, so she'll be very well rested and very keen to get back out there. Well, I'm pinging that for matches around whichever round we get that one. That's happening. Two weeks away. Two weeks away. Great. Round eight, match of the round. That's it. Uh, Getting ahead of myself here. (laughs) Indigenous round. I've just realised. Indigenous round. Round eight is indigenous round. Awesome. Oh, what a match. Uh, Who will you play on performer votes for? Uh, Yeah, so I've gone with Bonnie Toogood for the three votes because, you know, with Izzy Huntington going down, Toogood has had to do so much work, not only in the forward line where she's double, triple teamed, but she gets up the ground. She supports the defense even, supports through the middle of the ground, gets forward, is taking contested marks. I think she is just standing up for them. And it's a real show of maturity, a sign of leadership that she's doing. She's just taking mm-hmm. that on. She's being asked to do so much and she's just doing it and she's doing it well. So massive props to Bonnie Tugood. She kicked two goals, had four intercepts and 15 disposals at 86.7% efficiency. So isn't just getting a lot of the ball now, but using it well and hitting the scoreboard. She was also dropping back to support at times in that game too. Yeah, four intercepts as well, yeah. Mm. Two to Ellie Blackburn. She had 23 disposals, and the reason I want to chuck her in, other than her 550 metres gained, which is (laughs) somehow the second most of the round. Outrageous. She had five centre clearances. So as I said earlier, those centre clearances were going to be the way that the dogs could get on top. And they absolutely did that. She had f- she had five clearances for the game. They were all center clearances. They were unbelievably good. And then one to Anne Hatchard, who I think is continuing to just do the work. Mm. Um, 23 touches, six clearances, five score involvements. Anne Hatchard was a very big part of that surge in the second half. That was amazing. I am about to buck my usual trend uh, yeah. <laughs> in play on performer votes. Uh, but I've given... Three to Ellie Blackburn for all the reasons you just mentioned. Incredible. I've given two to Kirsty Lamb because she continues to be a really key part of the dogs game. And obviously playing in tandem to Blackburn in the center there is really critical in today's game. And I've given one to two God, which almost seems like not enough now. Can I just give it points to everyone in the dogs? Is that all right? Nope. Okay, sure. Well, then one to two good. And who's your game to watch next round, Gem? I don't know what you've picked because, uh, and you don't know what I've picked because I haven't put it in the doc. Mystery. I've chosen North Melbourne Collingwood, and this is going to sound awful. But the reason I picked this one is because I think it's going to be a make or break for Collingwood in yes. terms of have they actually improved that that game against West Coast? Have they actually found some solutions to their problems, or did they play a team that is you know 
struggling, got a couple of 50-meter penalties, kicked a few goals that way, got a little bit lucky? Or mm. are they actually, is the system fixing? Yeah. That's what my question is because North Melbourne are humming right now. On the trot. And they're a very difficult team to beat when they're in form. I don't know that Collingwood can do it. Mm. Not to mention that this is a fairly loaded game in terms of emotion for both these teams. They've come up against each other in the past in really pivotal moments, particularly in finals. So I feel like it's probably going to have a bit of a bit of heat too. Yes, if you go to playonradio.live, you'll read a blog that I wrote that uh, talks about rivalries of the AFLW, and this is one of the ones I write about. I'll pop it in the show notes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm averaging one of those a pod. Uh, Look, my head says that the the match to watch for me next week is the Lions v Melbourne uh, because it is really good to see how some of the top teams match up against each other. And it's at a stadium that's unaffected by wind. These two teams are two of the best ball users in the comp when they don't have to deal with the wind. It will be a true game of footy. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, well, excellent. That I will get up and about about that. My heart uh, is is a bit sad about the Carlton St Kilda matchup next week because somebody obviously has to win that. Oh, it could be a draw. Everyone could be sad. <laughs> oh, God, don't even. Personally, I love draws, uh, but I know that the consensus around footy fans is that, is that they're not good. I love <laughs> you're left I love draws. Cheated and empty. Um, but no, let's go Brisbane Lions Melbourne at Metricon Stadium on the 21st of Feb. I reckon that'll be a cracker. And our tips for the next round, Gemma? Uh, it's a big one. It goes from Thursday, the 17th of Feb, through to Tuesday, the 22nd of Feb. Eight games. Eight games? Nine games. Nine games. We'll start at the top uh, with Suns taking on the Lions at Metricon Stadium. Another Q clash. Who have you got, Jen? Yes, the third one. Uh, Brisbane held the Suns goalless in the Q clash last year. And Brisbane took a record number of marks inside 50 in the Q clash Mm. last year. Um, It's going to be a very different prospect this week. I think so. Brisbane are playing well, but so are the Suns. You know, you go with the experience of Brisbane, but I don't know that's going to be a big margin. I'm I'm tipping Brisbane by two. That's a a very small margin, but I, I, I can't see it being a blowout like last year's was. And remember the year before it was the draw. Oh, well, I'm going off the fact that Brisbane have just played a game today uh, and I want to get around the Suns. So I'm going to go two to the Suns. Suns by two. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Kalinda Howarth might be back. She's kicked a bunch of goals. to get four goals against Brisbane in the past. That's very true. She's uh, she's pretty great for the Suns at the moment. Then we have uh, on Friday night, we've got the doggies hosting the cats at Wittenoval. I'm going to back in the dogs. I reckon they'll be pretty up and about after this uh, this week. I might go to this. Might might rock up to this one. Could Ooh, be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go dogs by 18. Oh, that's what I have. <laughs> you can't uh, just should tell people that's what I've got written in my notebook, not in our doc. Cal uh, couldn't see that. I just pulled that out of thin air. We're becoming one brain. Yes. That benefits me more than it does you. Um, following on from that on Saturday we've got Giants hosting Adelaide Croats 
at Blacktown International Sports Park. That could be any number of weather conditions. We will never know. Monsoon. Mm. Be a change from the heat. God, you wouldn't want to be the Giants coming off the game that they played up against what will be a very angry Adelaide Crows. Oof. Bad timing for the Giants, isn't it? Yeah. You know what they call a, a group of crows, Jim? A murder. Yeah. I think this is actually, is this not what it meant to be at Henson Park? I don't know that that's going to change a lot for the Giants, to be honest. No, but it's, people love Henson. Alicia Eva said it in the broadcast today that they're playing at Henson Park. So, oh, how neat. Well, I trust her. Yeah. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'm tipping Adelaide by 30. That's, yeah, Adelaide by 30. Yeah. Look, uh, just for a point of difference, I'm going to go Adelaide by 40. Okay. Writing that down. Mm-hmm. In a match where someone has to win, we've got Carlton hosting St Kilda. I'm going to go the Saints by eight. Eight. I've tipped St Kilda by one. Ooh. Uh, then to round out Saturday, we've got West Coast hosting the Tigers, who are coming across the WA to play away from home. Who have you got? I'm going West Coast for this because, as I said, I think on the expanses mm. of Blath Lane Park, they look far more impressive. Hopefully they've got a couple of those players back as well. So I'm going to go West Coast. I'm tipping them by two, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bigger margin. I'm going to go against the grain uh, and say Richmond by six. Conti v Swanson in the middle. Someone will get murdered. Yeah. Uh, I've got no evidence to back that up. I'm just going with a gut feel there. Chaos tipping. On Sunday, we've got North down in Hobart hosting Collingwood. We've talked about this one a little bit already. Who have you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going north by 20. I think north, not that north train is just going to... I've used the train thing a lot this week. Yeah. Uh, in, even in messages, I don't know what's happened to me. But, yeah, the north train is going to keep uh, steamrolling through and Collingwood are the next victim of it. You're on a one-way track to nowhere. I'm also going to go north uh, by a smaller margin. Though. I might go 12. Again, no logic. Don't use my tipping as an example. Or live dangerously and do. You're just like Rana, you think that me quietly writing it down and saying nothing is a judgment of you. It absolutely is. I can feel it through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> On Monday night, we have uh, Lions v Melbourne at Metricon Stadium. First pure footy. I want to go to this so badly. Uh, Someone fly me up to work. Yeah, let's it, go. Please. I'm going to, oh, I don't even know. D's by two. Heck, that's what I've got written down. <laughs> I'm going D's by two just because I think they have more depth to cover anything that might happen. And there's a few of those concerns at Brisbane. But again, you don't want to ever write Brisbane off because they're so good. But I'm just going to go with Melbourne. Hmm. Uh, and then to round out the round, uh, we have on Tuesday night, the Suns hosting the Dogs, also at Metricon. And that is going to be a really great game of footy. Again, at a stadium protected by the conditions. I love to see it. Uh, who have I tipped? Oh, who have you tipped, actually? I'm going to go the dogs, but by a goal. I've tipped the dogs by one. <gasps> one point. Oh, what a game. Well, that's a wrap on our preview of round six of the AFLW season 2022. If you'd like to follow along with us this season, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at row underscore Kel. Uh, and you can also find at play on radio Melb there. Gemma, what's your Twitter handle? I'm at GL Bastiani. Come and talk to me there. 
Uh, just don't be salty in my mentions because that's why I roll my eyes. <laughs> that is why she is up and about and a bit grumpy today. I, I mean, I'm happier now than I was. Yeah, we've, we've worked through it. This is a bit of therapy, really. But also I should probably not be looking at Twitter while uh, you're talking on the podcast because I should yeah. listen to you instead. Very rude of me. Very Give rude. me your undivided attention. Well, lucky for you, it's the end of the show. Uh, well, that's it from us for now. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Footy Actually. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.